0: What I'm promised to us in the remaining days of this year is from Psalms 126 and verse 1 to verse 3. Psalms 126 and verse 1 to verse 3. For those that were at the Recalibrate Marathon prayers yesterday, I want to say congratulations. If you are sensitive, you know something shifted yesterday for those that were not a part of it on site but you were able to connect online I also say congratulations so I'd encourage you if you're not a part of it at all it's on YouTube go and join as, for as long as you can it's just that it's going to be a harder attacks you know some things are easier when you do it corporately than when you want to do it as an individual and yesterday um, we unveiled God's word and promise to us for the last quarter of this year And this from Psalms 126 and verse 1 to 3. It says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are off. We are glad. God's word and promise to us in the last quarter of this year is that it is a turnaround season. A turnaround season. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, welcome to your turnaround season. Today is the first, starting from today to the second Sunday in the month of November, is our seven prophetic turnaround Sundays. And today is the first Sunday. And all through the seven weeks, I want you to be very sensitive. I want you to be very sensitive. Um, I strongly believe that instructions will be coming to us as individuals within these seven weeks. Whatever it is that God is saying to you, please pay attention to it and take it seriously. This morning, I'm going to start out by teaching this first week on what I've titled Turning Hopeless Situations Around. Turning hopeless situations around in Psalms 126, where we just read, and the first verse it says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, it says, we We're like them that dream. It simply means there are certain things that God will do, can do, and my prayer for you is that He will do. There are certain things that He can do, and those things will look like a dream. <laughs> Not like a dream just to the onlooker, but a dream even to the recipient of those things. And I pray for you that in this season, that is what God will do in your life. In the name of Jesus. It will bring about a turnaround that will look like a dream to you. And I want you to know that it did not say if the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion. It says when. So it's not a matter of if. That is, possibility. It's a matter of when, certainty. Eve speaks of possibility, when speaks of certainty. And that is why I've come to announce to you that in this season, get ready. Because there will be a lot of celebration. In the name of Jesus. I don't know the area of your life where you are trusting God for a touch. Trusting God for an intervention. But I pray for you that in this season, there will be a speedy intervention. God said, I should say to someone this morning, and I strongly believe this is a prophetic word for someone. It may be more than one person, but he said, I should say to you that he has not forgotten you. That he has not forgotten you. There's someone you're thinking, maybe God has forgotten you. He has moved on to other people, but God said, I should say to you this morning that he has not forgotten you. In First Samuel chapter 12 and verse 22, the Bible says, for the Lord will not forsake his people. For his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. So he's saying that he will not forsake you. To forsake someone is to abandon them. It is one thing to forget, it's another thing to forsake. And forsaking is a stronger explanation or dimension. It's even deeper than forgetting. To forsake simply means to abandon something or someone. Not to care about that individual. And God is saying that he still cares. And over that thing, he said he has not forgotten. I pray for you that in this season, you will experience God's remembrance. In the name of Jesus. There are a couple of things I want you to know that God will turn around in this season. In the remaining days of this year. Number one, there are five things specifically. There will be a turning around of somebody's name. In the name of Jesus. Not necessarily that you will have to change your first name or surname. But God will give you a new name. You know there are some people that by virtue of what you are going through, you have been named. Even if those names have not been said to your face, people are saying it behind you. Haven't you thought about it? That the, the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible. We don't know her name. We only know her issue. That's a name. The woman with the issue of blood. There is nobody called issue. And there is nobody whose middle name is off. And the surname is blood. But when anybody wants to refer to her, it, it just said the woman with the issue of blood. And one thing about name is this. Name indicates destination. And names also reveals destiny. That's why, you see, in scripture, in relating with the people of Israel, God was very specific in their choice of names. It's one of the reasons why I hate. Now, I'm using that word deliberately, not dislike. I hate it when people call me Sam. When people say that, I know they don't even understand the meaning of their name. When you look at the name of the average Israelites, you will see L in those names. God deliberately put that in their name because L represents the name of God. So when you call me Sam, you have removed the most important part of that name. And I've never introduced myself to anybody as Sam. So in case you are in this house and you call me Pastor Sam, I am not Pastor Sam. My name is Akitola Samuel or Pastor Samuel or Pastor Akin, whatever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When God wanted to turn around the life of Jacob, What did he do? He changed his name. Because when your name changes, you experience changes. A name is also a prophecy. That's why when God was going to bring about a turnaround in the life of Abraham, he changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. Because Abraham meant the father of nations. Same thing with Sarai. He said, your wife shall no longer be called Sarai, but she shall be called Sarah. In Genesis 32 and verse 28, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord said to Jacob, and he said, your name shall no more be Jacob, but what? Israel. For as a priest, you have power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. The Bible tells us about Paul the apostle. His name initially was Saul. And you see, he was behaving Saul-like, like King Saul. Until he had an encounter with God, and God changed his name. That's why Apostle Paul, in one of his letters, he said to the, one of the churches, he said, I have wronged no man. <laughs> he said, I have defrauded no man. Paul, how can you say you have wronged no man? You that you were killing people. You were a murderer, an assassin. But he said, I have wronged no man. Why? Because Saul understood that there was a rebirth. Now, when God changed his name, God was not just giving him a new way of identifying him. God was literally changing his destiny. I pray for someone under the sound of my voice. I don't know whatever name people have been calling you. But I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, God will change that name. In the name of Jesus. Number two, in this season, God will turn around your walk. Oh, somebody didn't hear what I said. I said, God will turn around your walk. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 5 to 7. Luke chapter 5 and verse 5 to 7. I want us to read it together. If you can, all eyes on the screen want to go. And Simon answered, said unto him, Master, we have told all night, and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And their nets break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other sheep, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. Can you see the turnaround in that place? This was a man that said, we have towed all night, and we caught nothing. I don't know who that person is under the sound of my voice. From January to September, it's as if you have caught nothing in business. In your career, in fact, for some of us we are looking for a job, and it's as if we have caught no job. God is saying that I should say to you, In the remaining days of this year, there shall be a multitude. In the name of Jesus, you will not just catch fish, you will catch multitudes of fish. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, it's not that God just supplied the fishes. They got so much, or peter got so much, that he now needed other people to help him to manage what God had provided. I decree and declare, and over the work of your hands, in the remaining days of this year, let there be a turnaround. Let there be a turnaround. Over that business, let there be an increase. Over that business, let there be a surplus. In that industry, let your head be lifted. Let the spotlight of heaven shine upon you. Let everyone that needs to see you begin to see you. Enjoy supernatural visibility. Enjoy heaven's announcements. Enjoy divine recommendation. In the name of Jesus. If you believe it, say a very big amen. In Genesis chapter 26, please see down verse 1 to verse 3. Then from there we'll jump to verse 12 and we'll read to verse 14. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, and there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine. So the Bible is revealing to us that there was famine. What is famine? A famine is simply a description of when things are not working. For instance, on a global scale, and in our nation, Nigeria, there is a current famine. Famine is not only when things are not growing. No, famine is when it seems as if all the economy, all the systems have failed. So the Bible says that beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and I love that reference because in every generation there will be a famine. So the Bible says in the days of Abraham there was a famine. Now it's telling us that this is not that famine. This is another one. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gera. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. So I join in this land. And I will be with you. And I will bless you. For unto you and unto your seed. I will give all these countries. And I will perform the oath. Which I swore. Unto Abraham thy father. So your supply is not in a location. It's in your instruction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then Isaac sought in that land. In the same land, in the time of famine, and the Bible says, and he received in the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man worked great, and went forward, and grew until he became very great, for he had possession. Oh, I love that. Somebody say, I have possessions. You know, some people they are so in their in their purity, you know in their holiness. They believe um, for you to be spiritual, you shouldn't have possessions. <laughs> I have possessions. And I will yet have more possessions. The Bible says, for he had possession of flocks and possession of earth and great store of servants and the Philistines envied him. In this season, somebody will become the envy. The envy of your industry. The envy of your workplace. In the name of Jesus. I don't care what the famine is. I don't care what the economy is saying. In this season, there is a turnaround. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. the fourth thing that God will turn around in this season is your finances. Your finances. Philippians chapter four and verse nineteen says, "But my God shall supply." How many? Most of my needs. Some of my needs. It says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, when some people are asking things from God, you know, they're always very careful, you know, because I'm not the only one. If we all ask for too much, you cannot bankrupt heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Neighbor. You you are too small. Your desires are too small. To bankrupt heaven it's too small. So, small so if he's saying that he shall supply all he didn't say he will supply some so in talking to God about your need you don't have to be selective you hear what I just said that, you know well, God maybe you should do this one first he can do all at the same time can do all and in this season he will do all in the remaining days of this year you will take money out of money I say you will take money out of money I say it again, you will take money out of money. In the name of Jesus. The rest of this year will be the best part of this year. For you financially. In the name of Jesus. Every project that has been abandoned because of funding, I decree and declare let the supplies be made available. Every resource you need for the execution of your goals, the fulfillment of your dreams. I decree and I declare, let the resources need there be supplied Amen. in superior quality Amen. and in excessive quantity Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Psalms 118 and verse 25. He says, "Send now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee. send." When? No. Tomorrow. No. Next year. No. 2024. No. In December. He no. says, "Send now prosperity. You know, I'm always amazed at what happened between Moses and Pharaoh. The Bible says the whole land was filled with frogs. And Pharaoh sent for Moses and said, pray to the Lord on my behalf because I know you are the cause of this thing. Ask God to take away all these frogs. And Moses being a wise man of God, he said, when? And you know what the stupid Pharaoh said? He said, tomorrow. It's in your Bible. What happened to now? Somebody say, now is my time. time. You see, the thing about God is, God does not respect your timing. A divine timing, the day you call your time, is the day that is your time. Because in heaven, there is no time. So if you say tomorrow, then it is tomorrow. That's why I love the prayer of David. He says, send now prosperity. (laughs) Oh, now God is sending it to someone. Another thing God will turn around in the remaining days of this year is your family. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 18. The Bible says, I and the children the Lord has given me. We are for signs and we are for wonders. Somebody say me and my family. We are for signs and for wonders. See, one thing you need to understand about God is God is a God of families you what I'm saying? That's why you hear that God is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. He's a God of families. He's a God of families. And that's why I know that in this season, God will start something in your life that will last you for four generations. In the name of Jesus. You see, one of the reasons why God instructed Isaac and interrupted his plan to leave his place of promise was because of the covenant his father had. There was never any mention that Isaac asked God, should I go there? He was going to make a wrong decision, but because of the covenant God had with Abraham, God had to interrupt it because that promise must come to pass. For some of us, there are things we are enjoying because of the labor of our parents. And I pray for you that your own children, we have things we enjoy because of you. In the name of Jesus. God gave us a word yesterday and I hope some of us received it. It is a cause for two generations to struggle for the same thing. It is a cause. It's not normal. Your children should not struggle for what you are struggling for. You should not struggle for what your parents struggled for. And I pray for someone, just like that word came yesterday, that in the next one year, someone your income will be the lifetime income of your parents. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. Some of us may be using your head to calculate it. Ah, Is it possible? It's up to you. It's up to you. Believe the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe also his prophets and you will prosper. One year is a long time for God to turn anything around. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many of us, there are things you want to do for your parents, but you don't have the capacity. The desire is there but desire can't buy things. You can't be a blessing through desire. Are you hear what I'm saying? Maybe one of your parents is about to be 70. Can you get a car from the car shop? Sadileke sells cars. Can we get a car from you through desire? Say I desire a car from my mother. Which car? A Range Rover. How much is it? Tell me that. but I desire it. Desire has no purchasing power for everything that is in your heart God will put in your hands in the name of Jesus in your family let there be a turnaround God will rewrite the story of your family in the name of Jesus whatever the limitation has been in your family I decree and declare in these seven weeks let it come to an end let it come to an end Whether it's financial limitation, whether it is health limitation, whether it is geographical limitation. Whatever that family limitation is, I decree and I declare. Let there be a turning around in the name of Jesus. Please proceed. For some of us, God will turn around our health. Psalms 41 and verse 3. Psalms 41 and verse 3. The Bible says the Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou will make all his bed in his sickness. I pray for you, your health will not fail you. I decree and declare concerning that medical report, let there be a reversal. Let there be a reversal. Let there be a reversal. In the name of Jesus someone repeat after me say I live long I live, long, I live, strong, I live strong and nothing goes wrong long. oh come and say I live long, I live, long I, live strong, I live strong and nothing goes wrong from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet the life of God is flowing every part of my body functions in the perfection and weak God created them to function if you believe it say very big amen so, no matter what that sickness is called, medical science calls certain things hereditary. Whether it's asthma, whether it's cancer, whether it's high blood pressure, high blood sugar, you know, what other thing? Whatever name is called. Arthritis. I decree and I declare in your life, let it let come to an end. In the name of Jesus. Whatever has marked your family health wise, I decree and declare, let it pass over you. Let it pass over your children. Let it pass over your children's children. In the name of Jesus. Whatever kill people in your family will not kill you. In the name of Jesus. See, one of the greatest devourer that the enemy uses is an attack on people's health. When the Bible says that God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. One of the things he's trying to say is that you will live a healthy life. It is impossible uh, to gather if you're always spending money on sickness. There are some people, there are medications they must buy every month. That's a devourer. I decree and I declare that in these seven weeks, God will turn it around, He will rewrite that story. In the name of Jesus. For some of us, certain allergies will come to an end. In the name of Jesus, every virus, every disease, every infection that comes in contact with your body, I decree and declare they die instantly. In the name of Jesus, please proceed. What is a hopeless situation? Someone may ask. A hopeless situation number one is a situation that has become perennial and almost become your identity. A no place situation is a situation that has become perennial. When you say something is perennial, it simply means it is happening all the time, annually. It has almost become a celebration. In fact, when those things don't happen, even you yourself, you are surprised. Ah! What happened? I'm not sick this month, though. I used to be perennially sick. You know, when I was on campus, in fact, my mom would always know the time to bring certain things for me in school got to a point when i began to understand and hear the faith message i told myself an end must come to this thing i've told us a story before i remember one day in school i locked myself in the room and i said is it i die in this room or i get healed of course i'm not dead that's why i'm still here today i told myself this must come to an end no there are malaria and there are malarias and one of the things that made that sickness to be sustained was I believed what people always say that for those that are AA, they don't fall sick, oh, but once they fall sick like this, oh man, terrible. God. And I believed it. And so, when the sickness comes, maybe somebody you are here this morning, you've believed that you need to renew your mind. I hear what I'm saying. So, whatever that thing is that has become your identity, God will turn it around. A no place situation is also a situation where there seems to be no way out. You look at everything and you're like, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to get out of this? How am I going to survive this? A no place situation is a situation where if nothing happens for the better, you are literally going under. Hmm. That's a no place situation. And if something does not happen, if something doesn't happen as soon as possible, that business can literally go under. That family can literally go under. An hopeless situation is a situation where you find yourself and men write you off. You know, there are some people that men have written off. In fact, in some situations, it's not people that have written you off. You yourself, you've written yourself off. And when they say certain things, oh, so it's not people like me they are talking about oh. That's become a hopeless situation. And you know, sometimes people can write you off verbally or in their mind. They have not said it, but their look already tells you, oh, uh, it's not your type. A no situation is also a situation where shame and failure seems to be the only possible outcome. You look at what is happening, and you know that, see, there is no point. I know this will fail. This is shame waiting to happen. A no place situation is also a situation that seems to have defied your prayers. You have prayed about it, prayed about it. Yet it seems as if that thing is not just moving. A no place situation is also a situation that only God can change. See, friends, there are situations like that that except God intervenes, you are finished. Except God intervenes, nothing will change. Except God intervenes, things will remain the same. But I've come to tell you this morning, it is only with men that situations are hopeless. It's only with men. Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 32 and verse 27, it says, Behold, I am the Lord God, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? In Matthew 19 and verse 26, Matthew 19 and verse 26, he says, "But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things." Somebody say all things. Oh, I can't hear you say all things. Matthew 19:26, not Matthew 19:4. Matthew 19:26. With men this is impossible. But with God. How many things? So it simply means that thing that is an area of concern. God is saying that it is is possible. It is possible. How do we know that hopeless situations can be turned around? Because there are hopeless situations in scriptures that were turned around. For instance, the prophet's widow walked up to Elijah. And said, prophet, if nothing happens, my children are going to be taken away. Failure is the only outcome. Shame is the only outcome. It was an hopeless situation. And God turned it around. And that's why I know that whatever it is that has been called hopeless in your life, or that you have considered to be hopeless, God will turn it around. In the name of Jesus. Ezekiel, in the valley of dry bones, God brought him into a place where there seems to be an impossible situation. You see, it's one thing to see a corpse. It's another thing to see dry bone. And God said, can this dry bone live again? I love Ezekiel. He directed it back to God. He said, God, you are the only one that knows. It's one thing to say, can the dead rise? It's another thing when he said, bone, dry bone. He's not even wet bone now. Dry. They so said, God, you are the only one that knows. We also see that in the life of the widow of Zarephath. When she came in contact with Elijah, she explained her hopeless situation to Elijah. He said, this is what is on ground. I want to cook this meal. Myself and my son. We will eat and we will die. And Elijah said, you're not going to die. You're still going to live long. And that situation was turned around. Hallelujah. Jesus at the corner of Galilee. The people ran out of wine. You see, and in their days, that was was already shame. Nobody runs out of a wine at a Jewish wedding. And the Bible says that the mother of Jesus, Mary, walked up to the people and told them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that situation was turned around. And the MC even testified that everybody keeps the worst wine to the end of the party but you have kept the best for the last and that's why I know that the best part of this year has been reserved for the last quarter of this year for you for your business, for your family for your career in the name of Jesus for someone you have been trusting God for a job since the beginning of this year and it seems as if God I've been trusting for a job this job has not showed up Ha! it is because the best job has been reserved, I said let your best job come let that job come in the name of Jesus. So what are the covenant requirements for a turnaround? What are the covenant requirements for a turnaround? Number one is Zion connection. Somebody says Zion connection. Psalms 126 and verse 1, if you can have it on the screen. Psalms 126 and verse 1. Psalms 126 and verse 1. I want us to read it together. Want to go? When the Lord turned again, the captivity of what? Zion. Of Zion. We were like them that dream. I want us to notice what happened there. I've told us a couple of times. When you see the word Zion and Jerusalem in the Old Testament, is often referring to what? Referring to what? The church in prophecy. So he says, when the Lord turned around, so he can as well Change that word Zion to church. He says when God turns around again the captivity of the church. When God was going to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He didn't bring them out one by one. He brought them out as a nation. God is corporate in his deliverance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you are connected to Zion, whatever happens in Zion must happen to you. And that's why I'd encourage you, in the remaining days of this year for the rest of your life, stop playing truancy to the house of God. Some people are pro-church like supermarkets. You know, when you go to the supermarket? you don't buy everything. You select the things you want. Some people are selective in their service. Say, I love praise party and love lounge. You know, every other service, I'll stream online. Continue. You should know better than that. In Psalm 64 and verse 7, the Bible says, as many as appear before God in Zion, it says they go from strength to strength. Every one of them that appears before God in Zion. Everyone. Everyone. So one of the things that guarantees a covenant requirement for a turnaround is Zion connection. And you see, it is one thing to visit Zion, it's another thing to be connected to Zion you can visit but not be connected are you hearing what i'm saying are you hearing what i'm saying number 2 because of time i can't really explain some of these things in depth like i want to number 2 is mercy cry hmm. somebody say mercy cry oh i can't hear you say mercy cry For everyone that experienced, or let me say this, for everyone that cried out for mercy in scriptures, there was no one that God refused. There are some prayers that God cannot refuse. One of those prayers is a mercy cry. And so let me tell you this, you don't ask for mercy, you cry for mercy. Everyone that received mercy in scriptures, they cried out for it. The Romans chapter 9 and verse 15 The Bible says, for he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, may you experience God's mercy. In Luke chapter 18, verse 37 to 41, the Bible talks about a man that was blind. He heard that Jesus was passing through that area. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And they cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have what? Have mercy on me. He didn't say Jesus of Nazareth, open my eyes. He said, Have mercy. You see, mercy is like an all-purpose drug, it will address whatever situation that needs to be addressed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This morning I want somebody to cry out for mercy. Say, God, have mercy. On me, on me. Have, mercy. have mercy. On my family, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. On my business, have mercy. Have mercy. On the work of my hands. Amen. The Bible says the people rebuked him that he should hold this peace, but he cried out so much more. Some of you, when you are praying, people you are so conscious of people around you. He said, Bitush, are you from the bush?" Are you so you reduce your voice? What is affecting you is not affecting them. for some guys they already are already hiring a lady in church. So when it's time to pray, they don't want to pray too much, say ah, so that she will not think. You better let her think whatever she likes. She has not even said yes to you, you are just eyeing her. You're already reducing your destiny. The Bible says that they cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, the Bible says he asked him, saying, What will you have me do unto you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he received the sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise unto God. Look at the people that gave praise to God. They were the ones that told him to keep quiet. God never refuses a cry for mercy, He never refuses it. He never does. Remember the story of David. The Bible says when David made the mistake, God had already given an instruction to the kings in Israel. That anytime they wanted to go to war, they should not number the people. Not because God did not want them to know the number of soldiers they had. But the reason was so that they would not put their trust in the number of soldiers they had. That's why you see that sometimes when they would go to war, God would always tell, for instance, look at Gideon. From 32,000, God reduced the soldiers to 300. Because God wanted to make it so obvious that the victory is not by the number, the victory is about by intervention. And David, this particular day, he sent out one of his most trusted men to start counting. And even the man reminded him that King, in case you have forgotten, you know, we are not supposed to count. He said, Go ahead and count. And as he did that, he gave access to the devil. And the Bible says that people began to die. And at that point, David realized the mistake he had made. And the prophet showed up. 1st Chronicles 21 and verse 9 to 13. 1st Chronicles 21 and verse 9 to 13. The Bible says, that the Lord spoke unto God, David's seer, that is David's prophet, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them, that I may do it unto you. So God came to David and said unto him Thus says the Lord Choose thee either three years Famine or three months To be destroyed before your enemies While that the Sword of your enemies will overtake you Or else three days The sword of the Lord Even the pestilence in the land And in the angel, and the angel Of the Lord destroy Throughout all the coast of Israel Now therefore Advise yourself What's one that shall bring again to him that sent me? Now let's read the last phrase together. Want to go? And David said unto God, I am in a great strait. Let me now fall into the hand of the Lord. For very great are his words, For very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. Very smart man. Did you notice that all the three options gave him? He didn't choose any. It created his own option. The option of mercy. The option of mercy. And that is why I know that in this season, by the mercies of God, in your life there will be a turnaround. In your family there will be a turnaround. In your health there will be a turnaround. In your finances there will be a turnaround. In Psalms 36 and verse 15, the Bible says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, And plenteous in mercy and truth. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he has loved us. Number three is high praises. Somebody say high praises. Hmm. It's one thing to praise God. It's another thing to engage in high praises see sense giving is different from praises sense giving simply means you are returning thanks for the one that deserves it you are acknowledging the one that has brought you far but praising god is an acknowledgment of his role and his person in your life praising god is what you do even when you are not yet sure of the outcome of a situation that's why the bible says let the people praise you oh god let all the people praise you it says then the earth will yield that increase so they are not praising god because the earth has yielded its increase they are praising god because they believe that when they do it the earth will yield its increase some of us we have complained for too long there are certain things you have prayed about and you have not seen the answer Start praising god over that thing i hear what i'm saying You see, people don't praise God because really, it doesn't make sense. What are you praising for? In fact, when you are doing it, someone that is not mature spiritually can look at you and say, What are you excited about? What are you excited about? At your age, you have not done this, you have not done that. For this number of years, you have not done this. Like they say, where I come from. That is what's making you happy because you should not be happy but the Bible teaches the inverse it says when the people praise him then the earth will yield an increase the Bible gives an account of what happened to King Jehoshaphat I don't want to go, go there this morning because of time the Bible says King Jehoshaphat was confronted with an impossible situation hmm. a nation came to fight him that by all accounts he couldn't have win that battle. won that battle And the Bible says that he appointed singers. 2nd Chronicles chapter 20. And told them to go ahead and be praising God. And the Bible says as they began to praise God. I think that should be verse 21 or 22. The Bible says that God sent ambushments against their enemies. And the battle that they should fight. The enemies began to fight each other. And when they got to the battlefield they just met victory without having to fight any battle. The Bible says, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord sent ambushment against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Monsiah, which were come against Judah. Keep going. And they were smitten. Did you do notice what the Bible says? When they began. So if they had not begun to sing praises, they wouldn't have experienced that victory so, some hopeless situations are just waiting for your praises. I hear what I'm saying this morning. I'm waiting for your praise. That's why God said to the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 6. He said, when you stand before Jericho, don't try to bring down the walls of Jericho by your power. He said, when you stand before the walls of Jericho, shout. It's a shout of praise. He said, when the priests blow their trumpets, he says, the wall will come down the walls of Jericho were so strong that no nation had ever defeated Jericho they said the wall was also wide that six chariots can run side by side around the walls of Jericho how do you break down that kind of wall but when you praise God over an impossible situation it makes the impossible possible number four is the declaration of faith declaration of faith i finish this in five minutes. Declaration of faith. Mark 11 and verse 23. The Bible says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be cast into the sea. And you shall not doubt in your heart, but you believe that the things you have said shall come to pass. Jesus said you shall have whatsoever, whatsoever you want, Whatsoever you say, you shall have whatsoever you say. The question is, what are you saying to your mountain? What many of us do is we talk about our mountain instead of talking to our mountain. And there are two different things. You can either be talking about your mountain or you can be talking to your mountain. You know, when God brought Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37 the responsibility God gave to Ezekiel was to speak to the bones. When God asked him, can these dry bones live again? Ezekiel said, God, I don't know. God said, it's not about what I know or what I don't know. It's about what you say. The Bible says, and as he began to speak, it says bones began to come to bones. And flesh began to cover them by the words of a man. You know the reason why many of us don't take our declaration seriously? And let me deliver you this morning It's because When you start speaking you don't, see the answer, you don't see the results immediately I want to give us an illustration Is that OJ at the back? Mr. OJ please come Question When I said Mr. OJ please come Did he get here immediately? It took him a while to get here so whatever you are calling Is already coming The fact that you have not seen it Does not mean it is not coming Are you hearing what I am saying Please go back Let's celebrate it So that is the same way it works In the realm of the spirit When you start declaring some things It has already been released It is on its way to you But you know what many of us do We stop saying it. And you know the worst thing We now start saying the opposite Of what we started saying This thing is not working John If it will work It would have worked by now And in the realm of the spirit, they don't understand whether you mean it or not. It just says, you say it's not working. It's not going to work for you. Some of us instead of declaring God's promises over our finances, a subsidy you are talking about. What do you want to do about the subsidy? Can you return it? We talk more about the things that we have no control over. And the things we have control over, we are doing nothing about control over what you see. And last but not the least is prophetic intervention. Prophetic intervention. In Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 13 the Bible says and by a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt and by a prophet was he preserved. Isaiah 12 and verse 3. When the prophet's widow was faced with an impossible situation The Bible says When she went to Elijah And Elijah told her what to do That situation was turned around When this widow of Zarephath Encountered Elijah And Elijah gave her an instruction That situation was turned around In experiencing a prophetic intervention You must believe in the person God has sent to you You must believe in him I said this over and over again. Anytime my pastor says something to me or declares a word over my life, it always happens. Always. There are very few things I can point to and say, ah, Rev said this and it has not happened. Very few. Why? Because I believe in the one God has sent to me. You know the problem with many people? They believe more in somebody that is far away than the one God has sent to them. The error of familiarity. That's why you see, you see, And I understand, that's why you see that in some churches, people don't have access to the pastor. The pastors do it deliberately, because they know what familiarity can do to people. What I believe is to teach people how to have access and not abuse it. I believe in that, because that's how I was trained. So, you see a man of God, there's protocol everywhere. But they move people, push people away. People believe that that man of God is more anointed. That the one that walks up to them after service and is shaking them. How was your week? Hope you had a great week. That's where the problem is. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20. It says, believe the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe also his prophets and you will prosper. Friends, your prosperity is not in the hand of God. It's in the hand of the one he has sent to you. That's the word of the Lord. Trusting in God and believing in Him will establish you. It doesn't mean you will prosper. To so prosper is to go forward forcefully. It's from the Hebrew word salak. It simply means to break boundaries, to go forward forcefully. To so experience a prophetic intervention, you must receive the one God has sent to you as your prophet, not as a friend, not as a colleague, in fact, not as a you know a brother in Christ. The Bible says he that he receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. So if you receive your pastor in the name of a friend, you will receive a friend's reward. To so receive a pro- to express a prophetic intervention, number three, take the words of the one God has sent to you as seriously as you will take God's word if He were to appear to you. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, I want us to see that. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 can we have it please 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13 That's not 1 first not second Thessalonians 1st Thessalonians please Can we all read together how loud we want to go For this cause also thank we God without season Because when you received the word of God, which ye had of us, you received it not as what? As the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. So everybody hears the word, but some receive it as, this is God's word to me. Some other receive it as, ah, pastor is very eloquent. This is how many points, Pastor? Give the counting points. Some people even count error. Said so that English he said that he shouldn't have said it like that. Oh, Pastor said First John three sixteen he's actually John three sixteen. Be counting it. Continue. And last but not the least, to experience a prophetic intervention, obey the instructions of the one God has sent to you. Obey the instructions. Of the one God has sent to you. Obey his word without rationalization. Sometimes some instructions will come to you and those instructions, it will sound as if these instructions are inconsiderate. Sometimes I ask myself, if the widow of Zarephath, if she was a woman in her age and time, would she have survived it? I don't think so. You know why? Our society has taught us to not believe certain things. In fact, to believe that when a pastor says certain things, there is an ulterior motive. Imagine if the widow of Zarephath had believed that the reason why Elijah said, make for me first is because Elijah was hungry and he wanted to eat. Who would have died? It's the widow. Because God was already feeding Elijah without the help of the woman. So the reason God sent Elijah to her was not because of Elijah. It was because of the woman. Obey the instructions. Without assuming there is an ulterior motive. You see, if you can understand this one, it will change your life. Sometimes people just assume. There must be a reason why pastor said. If there is a reason, I will tell you. If there is no reason, there is no reason. Just believe it. That's why Jesus said that no one will enter into the kingdom if they don't receive it in two ways. As a child and as a student. When you tell a child to do something, a child does not assume there's an ulterior motive. A child just believes like a fool. Or should I say believes as a child? But to another, they say, ah, children, they are very foolish. They just believe everything. That's how we are supposed to remain. And so as God's privilege prophet over this house, I decree and I declare that as God has said that this is a turnaround season for you let there be a turnaround. You will not just hear about it, you will testify of it. In the name of Jesus, I decree and I declare that from today let the turnarounds begin. From today let the turnarounds begin let that phone call you have been expecting let it come let that email you have been expecting let it come let that letter of approval that you have been waiting for let it come that report you have been waiting for let it come with the good news in the name of Jesus no more delay no more limitation no more stagnation Let every hindrance be removed. In the name of Jesus. I decree and I declare. That for every Pharaoh that may be pursuing you. Everything that seems to have been chasing you. Things that when you think about it just brings fear into your heart. I decree and I declare that the Egyptian you see today you will see no more whatever that Egyptian represents be it a sickness be it a disease whatever it is I decree and I declare that from today the Egyptians you see you will see no more in the name of Jesus I decree and declare your freedom freedom from lack Freedom from failure. Freedom from generational causes. Freedom from negative patterns. In the name of Jesus. What has limited your predecessors will not limit you. This is your season of freedom. Let the rest of this year be full of testimonies. Let the rest of this year be full of signs the remaining days of this year be full of wonders I pray for you you will not only experience wonder you will be a wonder I declare once again you will not only experience wonder God will make you a wonder men will see what God will do for you in the remaining days of this year and they will wonder in the name of Jesus in the remaining days of this year, your testimony will be see what the Lord has done in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says, When the Lord turned around the captivity of Zion, it says we it were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. I decree and I declare, in the remaining days of this year, you will sing. You will laugh. You will sing. Oh, you will laugh. You will sing for joy, you will laugh for joy, you will sing for joy, and you will laugh for joy. Where men has laughed at you, they will laugh with you in the name of Jesus. All eyes closed. You're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The beginning of a turnaround is turning towards Jesus. Is receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. You're here this morning. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never accepted Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Or maybe you have done that before and you walked out of that relationship. It's time to come back home. It's time to come back to your Father. You're here this morning. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All eyes closed. I want you to raise up your hand. If you're like that this morning, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. If you're here this morning, I want you to lift up your hands. I'd like to pray with you. Just anybody like that, please. If you're lifting your hand, let me see it. If you're lifting your hands. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Because every of these blessings we find expression in our lives. In the name of Jesus. We give you the thanks and we give you the praise. For in Jesus name we have prayed. And everybody say very big amen. How we celebrate the Lord Jesus. Oh come on you can do better than that.